today as we continue to read the Gospel of St. Matthew, for us to really be able to understand what our Gospel reading is, I'm going to have to track back a little bit, a couple chapters, for us to get a better picture of what Matthew is getting at. Because these last couple of weeks, each Gospel reading has been built on each other to begin to expound, to ex explain what Jesus' mission is. So at the beginning of the Gospel of St. Matthew, we get a genealogy, but this genealogy focuses on the line of David, how Jesus is the son of David, the son of God, who became man. So following those chapters, the Gospel of Matthew begins to unlock for us how Jesus is related to the line of David and how the prophecies about David will be fulfilled in and through Jesus. Then a, lot, a couple of weeks ago, we got to hear Jesus choosing his 12 disciples, walking on the Sea of Galilee, choosing Peter, James, John, Andrew. And so in that, we see two of his disciples leave their father, mending his net and following Jesus. And what is interesting in that fact is it's mentioned that they follow a teacher, a rabbi, the great one. What is interesting in the Mosaic law is for a son to leave his father, he is leaving his father to follow a teacher who's going to help him learn the Torah. So in doing so, we recognize it here that Jesus is going to fulfill the Old Testament scriptures. So for the disciples to leave their father at the Sea of Galilee to mend their nets is to say they found a great one among us. They have found the Messiah and they have come to follow him. So last week we hear he takes his disciple up to the mountain and teaches them. He teaches them the first thing is the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And if we listen and look at the word Beatitude, it is to be happy, to be blessed. So Jesus' first thing in his teachings of his disciples, he wants to show them what it means to be happy, what it means to be blessed, what it means to follow Jesus. So with that context in mind, we continue the teaching of Jesus today following the Beatitudes. It's not a disconnect. It was one sermon yesterday, last week, and another sermon today. But it's a continuation of three chapter-long teachings, all pointed towards one. So last week we focused on what it means to be a disciple. This week... He focuses on the fact what it means to live as a disciple. How do we live as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ? And he gives us three beautiful images. Salt, light, and the house or a city on a mountain. So let us look at salt. Salt in that day and age was used as a preservative to keep meat and cured meat. They didn't have refrigerators like you and I have today, so they can't just throw it in something to keep for long. So what they would do instead is put salt on it to help cure it and keep it so that it can last much longer. 
The other thing salt was used for in that time, for the time period was also an exchange. Salt was a currency. Because the more salts you have, the more riches you had. So it was a currency. And then finally, salt was used to destroy things. Because when you put salt down, nothing can grow. And so when someone comes in to conquer the land, they would kill all the animals, uproot all the plants, and put salt down so nothing else could live. The second image we see is light. Light, we really can't put light in a box. Because what light does is it illuminates the world for us to see. If we blocked out the sun, turn off all the lights in this room, we wouldn't see anything because there is no light. It enhances and allows us to see the beauty, the true, the goodness of everything. One of the beautiful imageries we have here are all the stained glass windows that surround us. If it's not for the sunlight radiating through the glass, we could never really admire and see the beauty behind each of those stained glass windows. Because if you really ever get a chance to come into the church when it's dark, it looks like a black window. You can't see anything. But also the, interesting, the other interesting about light is it brings out the imperfection in things. One of my favorite imageries is if you come into a dark room and turn on the lights and that room is filled with cockroaches, the first thing you'll see is cockroaches scattering. But if you kept the lights off, you would never have known that there's cockroaches in that room. If you kept the lights off, you would never see how dirty that room is, how unorganized that room is, how filled with cobwebs it is. Lastly, the city on a hill. The city on a hill was an idea that is put together because the focal point revolves around a high point within the city. So think of it for us today as if our navigation point was downtown Fort Worth. Everything is in reference to downtown Fort Worth. So Keller, for example, if I was going to tell someone where Keller is, I would tell them it is northeast of downtown Fort Worth. So the city on a hill becomes a reference point for people to navigate, to move around the city because they didn't have maps like we do today. They don't have GPS like we do today. So the, the city on a hill was their reference point to everything. So how did th these three things bring about and explain for us today what it means to live as a disciple? If we look at these three items very carefully, there's a very common theme or thread that comes about these three items. They don't exist for themselves. They exist for the other. So if we look at salt, salt is bitter if you taste it. But what does salt really do for us by itself? It really does nothing. But when it's put on meat, it enhances the flavor. When it's used to bake cookies or, or chocolate chip cookies, a little sprinkle of salt will actually enhance the sweetness of the chocolate. What does light do? Light in itself doesn't do anything. We can't capture it. 
But when light is used well, it illuminates, it shares its light with others. The city on a hill is just a city on a hill. But when it's not used as a reference point, then it's just a city on a hill. So everything we hear, these three items we hear today in our gospel reading, show us and points us towards our life as a disciple. Because when we follow Jesus, it's not just me and my relationship with the teacher. What is interesting is as a rabbi, you bring in all your students and you want them to stay with you. Because that shows people around how great of a teacher you are. But instead, Jesus is calling us as a disciple not to remain within ourselves, not to hold this happiness that he's trying to imbue, to share, to give each and every one of us. But instead, as a great teacher, he says, take on this happiness. Take on what I have taught you. Take it as your own. Make it your own. And now go. Go out and share that happiness with everyone. So let us look at how this plays out. As a city on a hill, if I am happy, I begin to draw people towards my happiness. For a great example, look at John Paul II. Look at Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Why were thousands of people flocking and drawing towards them and to them? Yes, maybe you can say that John Paul II was this great writer, great philosopher, great theologian, very articulate in his words. But what was those words saying? Who were the words talking about? The light of Christ, the happiness that he imbued becomes so attractive that people are flocking and drawing towards him. And instead, not just him himself, but the person and source of his happiness, which is Jesus Christ. When we look at light, we shed light into darkness. We illuminate things. So within our lives, how do we share that happiness with others and show and talk about how happiness has transformed and changed your life forever? How has living with Christ, living in a relationship with God, changed you forever so much that you want to illuminate those who are struggling in darkness, bringing the light of Christ to others? The salt. Salt in its very essence preserves and enhances. How does that happiness enhance my faith, grow my faith, preserve not just my faith, but help others preserve and enhance and grow in their faith. Because I know for me, looking at John Paul II, I've grown up seeing, watching him, and now even in my life as a priest, desire and want to follow in his footsteps and see why that happiness has transformed and changed the world. And hope and pray every day that I can follow in his example to live a life of happiness. But that's through the illumination that has occurred through John Paul II. It is that salt that perseveres, that enhancing of his faith that is now transforming my own faith in my own life. The question that comes out of this, my dear brothers and sisters, is what are we going to do? Because we hear dichotomy 
in our, our reading today. Salt preserves, but also we hear Jesus say, what does salt do when it loses its taste, when it loses its, its usefulness? Our lives, my dear brothers and sisters, our journey of faith is not meant for ourselves. It's meant to be shared. But the challenge and difficulty is how many of us want to share our faith with others? How many of us want to illuminate and share the beauty that God has in our lives to others? How many of us want to be the focal point that draws people to the light of Christ? Because some of us sit here and want faith as just something appeasing, something to make me happy, something I have to and ought to do. But instead, there's no transformation and change. There's no true happiness. There's no true life of beatitude within our lives. So instead of attracting people to Christ and bringing them to Christ, we're turning everyone away because of how we live, how we act, what we say. So the question becomes for us, my dear brothers and sisters, is how are we living our life as disciples? Because living a life of, as a disciple is not just taking in anymore, but Jesus reminds us it's to go out, to share that good news with others. So let us challenge ourselves today. We know what the three requirements are to live a life as a disciple. We got to take inventory of our lives and say, where are we at in all of this? Are we living a life as a disciple? Are we truly happy with where we're at? And if we're not, then what are we going to do to change that? Are we even wanting to change that? So my dear brothers and sisters, as we approach the altar, approach the Eucharist, where bread and wine becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us help each other it's not just about this person or that person's faith anymore. It's our faith as a community, our faith as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Let us help each other grow in faith. Let us help each other become the salt of the earth. Let us help each other become the light of the world. Let us help each other become the city on the hill. Amen.